breaking a leg. Breaking a Leg, episode five. This is the podcast in which I, Oliver Double, talk about the creative process behind my upcoming stand-up comedy show, Break a Leg, which is going to be on at the Gulbenkian Theatre Canterbury on the 6th of December for one night only. Uh, it, it's it's uh, kind of making of documentary, but instead of doing it afterwards with hindsight, it's the process of putting the show together uh, from the front from before the show actually happens the funny thing about doing this show is it might be terrible but whether or not it is uh you will be able to see the whole warts and all process um from the beginning of of thinking about the show right to the show happening and perhaps with a bit of reflection afterwards i'm going to post a recording of the entire show that'll be an episode of the podcast and i've got with me a guest on today's episode uh my son joe who's 18 and I wanted to talk to him about the experience of, uh, well, his experience of when I broke my femur, which is the, the subject of the show. I broke my femur in an accident in January this year. So, Joe, um, what did when did you first find out about me having an accident? Uh, well, I woke up one morning and um, looked out of the window and it was snowing and... Um, I was sort of, it was completely out of the blue. It was, um, if it wasn't late January, it was early February. It was late January. Um, so, but it was still like after we thought there could be snow and Tom and I, um, my brother Tom, um, really go for snow. We're definitely pro snow people. Um, Tom probably more than myself. So I rushed upstairs to tell him um, that it was snowing, uh, and we both looked out the window, and then, um, as he rushed downstairs to, uh, get ready to go out into it, he picked up the phone, I think, which was mum calling, and I think, I think, this is, cause I, I, uh, wasn't downstairs for this but um, and so he comes up looking worried, and he says, um, uh, Dad's fallen over while um, jogging, and um, I need to go out and uh, bring stuff to him. I can't remember exactly what he was going to bring, but um, I was basically left alone in the house. Um, and I think he told me whilst I was in the shower. So I got out of the shower, and then the house was empty, and I wasn't completely sure what was going on. I was, I was a bit sort of. Uh, lost and um, very sort of suddenly worried because I had been so sort of looking forward to the morning immediately beforehand um, and then the the contrast of something terrible happening and not knowing anything about exactly how terrible or where or why um, was really disturbing. Um, so I basically ruined your morning. Uh, um, yeah, but <laughs> yeah, but I don't think that was the main bad thing that happened that day. I mean, as far as uh, the priorities of what was bad that day, I think that is probably fairly low down. Yeah, but you could have been having fun in the snow. 
could have been. It was it was awful snow. It just landed on. It was enough snow to make a slushy, low friction surface, but not enough to do anything more than um, coat the ground and, you know, it, it, it didn't even stick. I mean, what what's the point of snow if it's not going to stick? Especially yeah. when it makes just the worst bit of snow, which is like after snow or slush. So, so did you, when did you, I mean, did you actually, I can't remember now, did you actually come out to the ambulance? Um, yes, I did. I, I, uh, I saw you when you were on the ground and, um, What was that like? Oh, it was, um, it was pretty disturbing, uh, because you were just completely incapacitated and out of it. Um, I, I don't know, I had no idea how much, like, whether you were conscious or just in too much pain to take in stuff. Um, and mum eventually sent me, like I felt pretty useless, mum eventually sent me running back to the house to get some dry clothes for you. Um, and uh, what was slightly bizarre, like as a weird sort of, um, I don't know, um, every cloud has a tin lining moment was um, <laughs> I found a fiver on the way to back to the house in the snow. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> so our fortunes were quite opposite that day. <laughs> I fell down and had a life-changing injury, and you found a fiver. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, it was it was like uh, luck was saying, "Well, you've had a bit of a bad morning. I feel I feel like I went a bit over the top this morning. So I'll, I'll just nudge nudge your luck back the other way, very slightly. You know that that should that should just about cover it, shouldn't it? For this fiver." <laughs> <laughs> um, so then what was the next thing that happened for you from your, from your point of view um, well I brought the clothes back to the ambulance yeah. I was sort of hovering outside waiting to like I, I expected people to sort of be ready to take them but obviously everyone was just attending to you like rushing around and um, so I eventually I knocked on the door of the ambulance I and remember they, that they took in the clothes and um, and yeah. said thanks and Mum then texted, I think, from inside the ambulance. Um, I'm not sure if she actually like poked her head out. I can't remember exactly. Um, just saying that I should go home and phone the school and uh, tell them that's why we were late. And well, in fact, we didn't go in. Um, she said just to phone and say what had happened, and explain why we weren't there. Okay, so just to recap, I've fallen over and broken the biggest bone in my body. <laughs> You've I found, found a fiver. I've got a day off school. <laughs> I'm glad somebody was ahead. It wasn't. It wasn't. Um, it wasn't the highest quality day off school I've no. ever had. I'm going to admit because um, it was mostly just sitting there a bit like worried and. I'm sure it was. Uh, you know, uh, not not a bit worried, but a bit like shell shocked. Um, a lot worried. Did Did Mum call you from the hospital to let you know how things were going? Um. I think she did um, a couple of times, but I think mostly she was just trying to um, keep up with where you were being taken because, um, I mean, she will have definitely told you this, but um, I don't think she felt like she was uh, very informed about what was going on with you and where you were going and stuff. Obviously the, the attention had to be on you, but like she was sort of trying just just trying to keep up and keep you in sight and know where you were going and stuff. Um 
and then like I think she called when she had long periods of waiting um, just to let us know what was happening uh, and to let us know when when they found out that you'd broken uh, your bone and what what exactly you'd broken and how severely um, and did, did she tell you I was having an operation yeah oh yeah we knew about that um, uh, she called when you were going in and stuff um, but it was obviously uh, she only had limited information as well and then so we were getting it second hand from her so um, it was a bit mysterious still and obviously that just adds to the worry yeah absolutely um, so uh what was the next thing then? I mean, when did you... I mean, you came out to visit me in hospital several times. What was that like? Um, it was... Well, the journey there wasn't um, the most fantastic possible because obviously you, you're the only one who drives. Um, so we were getting public transport there. And um, the train there... It, it, the, the journey involved getting a train, um, several stops, and then um, we were going to Margate from Westerbor, so um, that was a fair train journey, I'd say probably best part of an hour, um, definitely more than half an hour, probably more, uh, like, between 40 and 50 minutes, um, and then getting a bus from an earlier stop, um, actually th there was a bus that went directly to um, the hospital, but... Um, you had to get a stop that was way before Margate and then travel on from there by bus and uh, it was it was okay it, but it was um, a very long trek and then obviously you often only had the strength um, or the uh, energy to see us for a short, short amounts of time but um, you know it, so the first time we visited you, I was with Tom, and we were on our own, and um, we went in and you were sort of still quite uh, underperforming in terms of like you were, you were medicated and um, very groggy and still feeling the pain, I think, a lot more. And... Um, but then later on, when I was visiting on my own, it was a bit more normal. I mean, obviously, it was completely bizarre and out of the ordinary. Um, and you were essentially in your pyjamas all the time. Um, but it, it, that, that, it got a bit more normal after that point. I love two things about that. One is that I was underperforming, and the other is that I was just sat around in pyjamas all day. That must have been really awkward. Yeah, well, no, if I want a better word for the, you know... Um, but no, it wasn't. It wasn't really awkward. It was just seeing you in that sort of um, frail state, like being bedridden. That was just bizarre. Because um, you know, what, the 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 worst I'd seen you ill was just with flu or whatever, staying in bed um, and being like in hospital bed and hardly able to move and stuff was um, just strange. It's it's not how you see someone, and I guess because you're my dad, like, um, that's not that sort of powerlessness is not a way in which I'd um, uh, seen you before. Like, the 
inability to look after yourself and stuff like that. Um, do you not look like an old man? Um, not looks, but you came across like an older person for that period, definitely, because um, your pain meds obviously made you drowsier, and um, and so like particularly on the first visit, um, we can hold conversations for as long or with as much sort of detail or whatever as normal. And um, also, just, yeah, that bedridden state is like, the dependency makes you think of someone much older. Um, so what do you remember about when I came home? Um, well, I remember that it was really painful to get you in the house. Um, because uh, wasn't the wheelchair much too small for you? Yeah, the wheelchair was too small. I couldn't fit my feet on the footrest in, in, in any sort of comfortable way. And uh, it was a really cronky old wheelchair. So, yeah, that was painful, actually, yeah. I remember um, being happy I wouldn't have to visit the hospital again, and especially, like, mostly because I didn't want to see you in that context. Um, but also it's a really annoying journey. <laughs> um, but no, uh, and also uh, and and being, I think the hospital atmosphere is is just something that you. I mean, you can't avoid it, and the focus is on getting people better. So that's why it happened. But the hospital atmosphere, like, um, it is the smell of disinfectant that's not completely clear, um, overpowering all the other smells that are coming from people. <laughs> um, that's, that's especially unique to hospitals, um, and so I. So when you came home, I was just happy to have seen the back of that period, really, because that was everything about that sensorily was really strange as well. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so, uh, how quickly do you think you and Tom started taking the piss out of me? Um. Probably after a couple of days of you being back at home. <laughs> I don't know. Um, definitely not in hospital. But um, but but once you are back, um, I think it was probably um, when you were getting all emotional about like nearly everything and that. I uh, you. I mean, well, just to explain about that, I, I was bursting into tears. Any what what? Do, I mean, can you think of any examples of what what when I started crying? Um, being halfway up the stairs and I'm having to sort of like help you not fall backward and stuff and then getting halfway and just burst, breaking down into tears because you couldn't climb the stairs I think uh, or, or because mum was being so helpful like and you just couldn't express that in any way other than crying your eyes out about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can't think of any more specific examples because I wasn't really there for a lot of them I mostly just came in when mum was like oh boys he's crying again he's crying <laughs> I guess so that must have been, out of me. Well, I guess that must have been a good disincentive to snap out of it because that gives us a lot of ammunition. <laughs> I mean, one thing you should understand about um, my dad is that he uh, patronises me and my brother, um, <laughs> like, and he has been patronising us in the same way, and for since we were any any specific age above the age he treats us as so 
he basically so he d he does it less now actually, and you, that's that's one thing that's changed about you. I think after this is that you've been a lot less patronising to us. So may maybe we'd shifted the balance of power with all the ammunition we got. But um, but he used to he, he certainly used to treat us a lot like um, five year olds, our, our five year old selves specifically. Um, it, you know, in the in the name of humour, but mainly his humour. So. Um, <laughs> That it was nice to shift the balance of power a bit on that one. <laughs> so you start to get the upper hand in the yeah. taking stakes. Uh, yeah, and and especially as it was getting to the point where I was like, I am legally an adult, and I'm still being uh, reduced to a five-year-old whenever <laughs> I'm trying to have intelligent conversation. <laughs> uh, so, so I can tell you this for a fact that on uh, the 18th of February, which is obviously exactly three weeks after the accident, I posted a Facebook status recording a conversation that you and Tom had with me where Tom said, considering you used to be a comedian, the way you fell over wasn't very funny, was it? <laughs> and you, do you remember what you responded? Um, yeah, there wasn't even a banana peel. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the worst thing about the whole... It, Affair. Um, I think it was the fact that you were. Um, I think it was the fact that even when you were out of hospital, you were still bound essentially um, in what you could do and bound to the house. And um, it was difficult, like, going about normal activities and stuff um, when the underlying structure of the house was so different mm. um, and adjusting to that and, you know, and, and most of all sympathising with you not being able to go out whenever we were and things like that. Um, going and seeing loads of... Uh, films without you and things like that um so that was i mean it was it, it wasn't a specific thing it was just a general structural change in the mechanics of everyday life that was very unsettling because it was so um boring and frustrating for you and what was the funniest thing about the whole um well I can't, honestly, I think um, it might be the emotional tears moments. They were, <laughs> that, it was quite entertaining, uh, if, if a little disconcerting. Um, uh, I'm not completely sure other than that. I mean, most the, the, there were definitely comical aspects of, of basically all elements of everyday life. I mean, I mean you having to navigate around on a Zimmer frame. I think it might have been, um, I mean, this was probably more embarrassing than funny for me, but looking back, it, it's quite funny, your behaviour when the first time you went out of the house and we went and saw uh, the comedy show, the um, uh, the one with um, Pappies and Noise Next Door and Three Half Pints. Yeah. What, um, what, what was funny about that? I don't remember. Well, you, so basically... This was the first time you'd been out of the house, and you'd been, and so you got, you were driven there, and you 
could hardly contain your excitement and it was the the massively disproportionate um, over enthusiasm for every aspect of the trip that probably didn't warrant as much enthusiasm like for example getting excited just being seated in the theatre before anyone had come on like um, and hardly able to contain yourself from just saying how exciting every aspect I mean it's fair enough because um, you, you'd been so isolated but it was it was just quite funny you coming across people and being super enthusiastic and everyone else being sort of like worried and going oh are you okay and you sort of um as fast as you ca could on um i think it i think it was still on your frame at that point weren't you no 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 i wasn't allowed out when i was on the frame I was on oh crutches. yes you Two had crutches. um you, yeah you were on dual crutches at that point you were practically um launching yourself forward on your crutches to like go over and meet people and shake their hand and stuff like that and as I remember it, uh, there was nothing that I could find especially funny in a sort of in, in the sense of a thing happens and I respond to it like by laughing or whatever because um, it was all in this sort of wider context of, of stuff being Deeply, deeply unusual, and um, in in a in a bad way. Um, so I, I I couldn't point to a single moment other than that which was particularly amusing. Well, um, okay, so that that's that's really um, that's really helpful. What I'm gonna do with this interview is I'm gonna I'm gonna interview you're the first one. I'm gonna interview Mum and Tom as well. And um, hopefully there'll be a few details that I can put into the show. I, I can think of probably maybe two or three things just from this one interview. But it's also quite interesting for if anybody is actually bothering to listen to the podcast. It, it's interesting for them to get a sense of actually what the events were and that it was actually quite a serious thing, even though I'm going to be hopefully making it funny. Yeah, I'm afraid. Um, I'm sorry if this has come across a bit um, of a downer, like... Um... I feel like some of the stuff I've been saying about like oh how it affected the family is a bit like um one of those uh, accident lawyers commercials. <laughs> so sorry if it's come across a bit like that rather than a, a comedic podcast. No, that's fine. It's not supposed to be a funny podcast, really. It's it's a it's a podcast about comedy and about putting a show together. So that don't, yeah. don't worry about it. Okay, so that is uh, the end of this episode. So uh, I'm going to try my crappy sign-off phrase um i'm ollie double leg broken it's not crappy just because i don't laugh at it <laughs> thank you